Hey, you, you want to see something really scary? What's your favorite scary movie? I'm going to scare the hell out of you. What was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. They're coming to get you, Barbara. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. What's blood for, if not for shedding? Welcome to Fright Night. Welcome back to Jump Scare. I'm Betty. And I'm Chad. This week, we're interviewing brothers Darren and Jeff Allen Gear from The Retaliators. Welcome to the show, guys. Great to be here. Thanks, man. Yes, we are... Um... I will tell you, I I couldn't be any happier to be here because um, I am a recent uh, fan of your show uh, because when I went through some episodes and saw and heard your, uh, first of all, I heard your Lost Boys episode and then uh, also saw that you had an episode about the stuff and I went, okay, you guys are, <laughs> uh, you, you guys are shit. yeah. Cause the lost boys is, that's my favorite movie of all time. And, uh, and then I love the stuff. So yeah, you guys are awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. The stuff is one that uh, doesn't get enough uh, love these days. It kind of gets it, uh, a little bit forgotten about. So that's what we have doesn't. To I know. No, I know. Well, and you know, Joe, you know, it's kind of funny. Joe Bob got me on the stuff. Oh, I yeah. saw the Joe Bob episode on it, and I was like, "Dude, this movie's amazing!" Yeah, one of many made with uh, uh, Larry Cohen and Michael Moriarty. Like, seemed to do quite a few of them together, and they all turned out pretty good. Yeah, Q's the other another great one. Uh, big Larry Cohen fan. He's he's just he's great. He's got so many good movies. Yeah, one of his that was really shocked me the first time I saw it was that God told me to. Phenomenal. Yeah, that movie you do not see that coming. <laughs> no 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 he yeah uh larry cohen always has that uh when you look at his filmography where you just you forget there's always one or two you, uh, well for me anyway where i'll forget i'm like oh shit larry cohen wrote that or you <laughs> yeah. know because some some of his great ones he wrote and didn't direct you know but right. uh and, and you kind of forget but yeah he what a what a genius that guy was but yeah the stuff is super super underrated good well um i did mention you guys were from retaliators let me clarify they're the screenwriters um of the retaliators that we just covered um i say just covered because in my mind it was like last week but it was a couple of weeks ago now um and we did cover the film and we enjoyed it um it uh, and I and I mentioned this in the podcast. It has a uh, several different tones. I wasn't expecting, and I'm gonna just shoot over to like the end of the movie. the the different um, the different areas of the film. I wasn't expecting how from the middle to end. It the yeah. beginning of it has such, and now that I know the inspiration behind the story. It, it it does feel very personal. It's very heartfelt. There's so much heart in you. That's something you usually don't find within the horror genre a lot of the times. Right. Um, but, and, you know, and it goes into the action. You guys kind of covered several different genres in one film, but it, it worked. I mean, yeah. it, it worked. And, you know, when you guys were writing that, how... 
how did you write that? What did one brother take on one part? Did you guys kind of do that together? Was it just a you know one hundred percent collab? Yeah, it was. It was definitely a hundred percent collaboration, uh, and we, you know, it. And, and by the way, it never ever uh, gets old to hear anybody just say that they they appreciated and enjoyed the the extreme <laughs> tonal shift because you know it was so scary when the movie was finally done after a long time of fighting for you know many many battles to sort of keep the integrity of of what we were going for and then that feeling of like okay now that we're here boy is anybody <laughs> is anybody gonna get this or connect with this because we definitely the the more obvious road was presented to us often you know well why don't we just do this as a straight thriller all the way through well why don't if it's going to be horror let's make them you know let's make the creatures supernatural or let's but you know there was just so many and and we understood that those were safer roads but it just to us was never an option because part of what um, the aesthetic that Jeff and I really love is what we call left turns, right turns. You know, we love movies where you are going down a road and then partway through you take a hard turn and the whole movie sort of just leads you in a very extreme new direction. So, I mean, some of the classic examples would be like From Dust Till Dawn and uh, Audition, Hostel, um, you know. And so we were very big on, uh, you know, yes, there, there was a pr very personal tone to the first part of the film. And then what was really important for us, and we were very connected to it, was... Yeah, by the time we get to the third act, it's going to go batshit. Like, we're going to just, and, you know, just really go for it and just subvert expectations. And, you know, we very much wanted people to feel like, oh, okay, I'm in like a crime thriller. And I think I've seen this movie before. I know Death Wish. I know, you know, I know these kinds of vigilante movies and then just subvert that and take you know just take a, a total left turn yeah it, it certainly did that the, the ones you mentioned like that was one of the first ones i thought of was from dust till dawn because there's nothing like showing that movie to someone who doesn't know where it's going right? <laughs> <laughs> just watching them you know the switches from the you know kind of standard crime thriller to suddenly they're vampires and it just blows right. my mind <laughs> so. yeah so that's uh that's a great example of it and uh, yeah uh i wasn't expecting it to go where it did i mean you see the scene at the beginning where you know that there's something going on but you watch it for a little while and you kind of forget about that right you kind of get lulled yeah. into a sense of security and you forget about yeah. that scene at the beginning <laughs> and, then, and then when it goes to it you're like oh okay i remember this now <laughs> yeah. yeah that we were so happy that that worked it's one of the most satisfying things like in watching the film because we um we've been asked before oh was that thought up in editing or did you actually write that and you know we definitely wrote that that was a that was a 
always a part of, of the vision. And, you know, it's a little bit of a, it's just kind of such an expected um, design in film narrative today where you start with the scene later in the movie, you know, an action sequence. And then you, then you, you know, to kind of, you know, set the tone and then you go back. And so we really wanted to, again, do something so extreme of from what you're going to get into. So that way you just sort of are like, wait, am I in the right movie? And <laughs> it's funny. We've had a lot of people tell us that they're like, wait, did I put the right screener in? Did I, am I watching <laughs> the right movie? Am I in the right theater? <laughs> because it's just so different. So yeah, we just had a lot of fun, like playing with, with those, uh, those things. And, you know, we're so thankful we got to pull, pull it off you know we would and uh we just have uh as we always thank and because we are forever thankful to michael lombardi because he he got the vision from the beginning he f fought all the way you know he was the producer star of the film uh he co-directed um you know we were a movie that shot through covid the early early days of covid like when the world shut down we were weeks into filming um and so the logistical challenges of getting this film done were i mean just it, it was uh, it, it seemingly insurmountable um for quite some time but uh uh yeah really truly thanks to you know michael uh and him really he just got it you know he when he read the script he understood he has the same references, the same he he knew he got the homages. He he understood exactly what we were going for. And, you know, thank goodness, because it was, you know, a lot of people did not get it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I think a guiding light through a lot of it, you know, because it, it does take some chances and risks with, with, with uh, changing tone and stuff. And I think the guiding light through a lot of that was just wanting to make a movie that we we personally would enjoy wa wanting to see, you yeah. know. And I think you know I I, I know I, I heard Quentin Tarantino say something like that uh, years ago, and it's just it just always stuck with me. Like, just trust your instincts on if if you would be entertained by it, there's and you really put work into it to make it happen it will find its audience it will find people that appreciate it so you know i think that's really important too so what were some of the challenges you guys had to deal with when you were filming through covid i can only imagine that uh it wasn't easy i, I what you said i can yeah it sounds like it would have been a nightmare it was a nightmare you know it because it's it, thankfully we're so removed we all you know collectively went through that experience and everybody had certainly different uh, levels of, of, of living through it and getting through it. Um, <clears throat> because we were literally mid production, we had to deal with the, with the re you know, the very real realities of a having to keep everybody healthy and safe and, and navigating that when there was just, obviously there was so much, uh you know those early days a lot of confusion a lot of uh you know uh up and down with what to do what not to do but then we were you know we were a, a union screen actors guild uh production so we had 
strict rules and guidelines to follow. And back then, COVID tests were in the tens of thousands of dollars a piece. And we had to and we had to do uh, the, uh, an entire crew cast. Uh, we had to do daily tests. There was quarantining, extreme quarantining measures. So, you know, making any independent film is always a Herculean task. But when you now throw in cast dropping out, cast having to delay, having to change directors, you know, it, just the the stakes for everyone changed. There was just so much going on. Um, and we were shooting on the East Coast and we switched over to West Coast. Um, I mean, so the logistics literally touched every area and it was just... Um, it, it really uh, it was just, I mean, unbelievable that we were able to keep it going and and um, and that we got through it. And just thankfully, you know, we had people willing to to figure out how to make it happen, you know, because it was like, OK, we had to scale down crew. And um, what, what we never wanted to sacrifice was the was the production uh uh, of the films uh, you know the the production value so we were pretty relentless with that so if it wasn't going to work we would just put it off until we could figure out you know no we need a location that's going to work we didn't want this to be you know uh in a weird way it just sort of gave us something to kind of hyper focus on it in that time so we you know uh we 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 very much focused on no let's do this right and we were very lucky to have a, a studio. Alan Kovac uh, produced the film and uh, and backed the film. And very luckily, he had that vision of like, yeah, I know there's a lot of obstacles, but we're not settling. Uh, we're not going to we're not going to compromise the film. And we, we were very lucky because there certainly could have been the opposite mentality at that time. Oh. Figure up, we get what we can get, scrap to get, scrap it together, and we'll market it a certain way and and just put it out, you know. And and we thankfully he just really uh, helped us, you know, keep the keep it all together through all the craziness. You had to be, I'm sure, making up a lot of this stuff on your own at the beginning too, because there wasn't a lot of guidelines when all this started. No. No, it was, it was, but yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, we, because things were so, it was so drastic and so serious. It was, it, yeah, it was very, it was sketchy and, and, you know, and luckily we, um, we had no one, no one get, uh, uh, I don't, I don't think we had one cast member get, I don't think we had one person get sick on set. So we, we would have people, you know, arrive and then on their first test, they were positive and then that would completely upend what we were doing, you know, and, and then we'd have to reconvene and figure out what, what to do, but we never had anybody get sick from the set. We never had any, uh, luckily nobody got seriously sick at all. So we were, I would say we proudly, we did navigate it, navigate through it all um you know we did it responsibly but doing it responsibly 
was very expensive and very <laughs> time consuming. <laughs> you know? well, Darren, yeah. Darren, I seem to re- I seem to remember you um, screaming at everybody like Tom Cruise on the set of Mission Impossible. Get <laughs> <laughs> their fucking shit straight. <laughs> we we are the we are the leaders in this industry. Yeah. We, we need to... I think that's what did it. You know. Yeah, that, that might have been what did it. No, no. <laughs> yeah, it w- it would have been an office. It would have been the opposite. <laughs> No one right. knows we're doing this. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah, every everyone knew about uh, Tom Cruise on set. No one knew about us. Uh, <laughs> we, were, we were tucked away in Connecticut, New Jersey. Yeah. Now I have a question regarding um, Michael Lombardi's character Bishop. So, yeah. what a heartfelt. I mean, his performance over the loss of his daughter is just. I mean, heartbreaking. Like, <laughs> I felt like I was like having a lot of emotional distress throughout the film because mm-hmm. I'm 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 sad, and then I'm like horrified, and I'm you know crying, and then and then I'm like, oh my goodness, there were so many different emotions coming from me. Um, for his performance, especially making him writing him as a pastor was that something that you guys already knew that you were going to have such a strong faith-based character um that was going to add to the character development for this um character throughout the film and also influence his decisions on how he was going to go about you know what was happening to him yeah you you know he he he, um it was from the right from uh the beginning uh, when Jeff and I were c- creating the the story, and we we spend a lot of time in the outlining in an outlining phase when we write, and we were outlining the film, and you know we just were we the the uh, the idea of a pastor was very crucial because we just we said, you know, let's really play with this this sort of revenge fantasy uh of of you know what if somebody offered what if somebody offered you one minute alone you can't you can't kill them but you have a minute alone with someone who uh you know hurt or killed somebody in your family somebody very very close to you what would you do and you know those kind of provocative questions you know maybe for some are easy to answer. Maybe they're more difficult to answer. Certainly sometimes it depends on the situation. Um, it depends on the person, right? It depends on all these kind of things. So we just wanted to find what is the most extreme example, the furthest, furthest, furthest away from, uh, um, from somebody who would do that. And that's where, you know, we, we just went to, okay, a true turn the other cheek pacifist um, pastor. And what, what what Michael told us he connected to was in the script we had, because uh, one of the things that was important to us was we really wanted him to be this very sort of traditional, um, like a real classic, a uh, 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 real classic character like a jimmy stewart um uh or 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 a little more modern like a tom hanks you know somebody who was truly just earnest and likable and a good 
person, a good dad, a good man of his community, somebody who really cares, maybe not, you know, no one's perfect, uh, certainly, but uh, but somebody that you just really feel that. And, you know, what Michael said grabbed him, what he connected to was that in the script we said, uh, when we were describing him at his church, it said, he's a, uh, he's a rock star in this little corner of, of the universe. Like this is like his, you know, and, and Michael really got that he understood um oh okay this is the guy coaching all the teams and this is the guy that people go to and for advice and a real again kind of like a a very capra-esque sort of you know uh you know kind of kind of uh person and and then you take that person through hell and you now have this extreme contrast, which we just thought would be so much more interesting than, you know, we wanted him to be slightly unrelatable in that way, you know, have him be someone that was like, wow, this guy's a single dad and he's kind of just, you know, he's kind of got it all together and just living this peaceful life out, you know, sort of out in the, uh, middle of nowhere but but just having the you know what i mean and and then taking him yeah. through that that was sort of, but yeah he connected with that immediately and it's interesting too because usually in uh horror movies the uh the pastor character is usually evil and you know hiding demons <laughs> under the church somewhere <laughs> right or right. Uh, well, he's well, immediately killed by vampires so it was, it was <laughs> unique to see uh him turn out to be the lead you know yeah, yeah. i thought that was yeah because we that's exactly the expectation i think we were trying to subvert it was just you know, it, that's the obvious irony, uh, the obvious irony to go to is like, oh, the person who's supposed to be uh, like the moral center of uh, some small community is really a wicked, you know, murderer uh, or something like that. So he's the you secret know, werewolf we, from Silver Bullet. Or, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we, we were just, yeah, it was a lot of it was just trying to communicate. Love, you know, sil- love Silver Bullet. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> not to just repeat whatever uh, Darren had said. I mean, I agree with all that. But yeah, we were just trying to communicate uh, to the audience in a way like that this guy is a rock star in his own community, but also a kind of I don't want, I don't want to say gee golly, but there is that kind of you know just very earnest quality to him, and um, I'm sure people have met you know youth pastors or whatever, and like there's they're they're real. There there are those guys out there who are just you know they just seem so sweet or, or just like a nice person. And it was like, okay, let's put that guy through hell and see what he does. Yeah, you know, it it, it was just that fun of taking him to that to that line, and you know, um, it was one of those things where we just sort of went, gosh, it's been so long. You know, obviously, Father Father Karras from Exorcist was right, right, uh, was a phenomenal example of a, uh, you know, obviously in that case, it was a priest who is, you know, the lead in that film. But yeah, it just seemed like, you know, that's really what we love to do. It's like, like, find the find tropes and and lean into some tropes and then take other tropes and then just say, you know, boy, is there a fresh way to kind of take right. a look at this? Because it's like, yeah, you're exactly right. We know we're so aware that like you put anybody near religion in a movie these days, especially in a horror film. Yeah. It's, 
they're the goofball they're evil they're gonna get they're they're gonna yeah turn into a, uh, a werewolf you know it's it's <laughs> right it's right. gonna be something like that so yeah it just it felt like very very uh ripe ripe ground to go okay let's let's just totally do go the opposite yeah and, and, and you know what Darren, another thing that i find interesting about this just kind of thinking back to it like the beginning because that's when a lot of this really got solidified uh, was i don't think we ever really discussed that that feature of it i mean not till later no. when people were asking questions about like why did you do that or you know even actors and stuff or we i think that was the first time we actually had to reflect on it because it, it just felt so natural that that was the right way to go for telling this story yeah so yeah you know totally totally and then the big credit truly uh to michael's performance is michael you know he oh. I mean, yeah. we, when we, you know, when we went to set and watched him work in person, I mean, we were just pinching each other. You know, we were like poking each other and going, oh, my God. Like, I mean, it was. He's that perfect. He, he's that yeah. perfect mix of like he can play the kind of cornball dad, but then also like convincingly without being so cornball that you couldn't imagine him kicking ass. You know what I mean, and, and then also be able to kick ass when yeah. he when he gets pushed to it. Well, that and was do, what was and do yeah. both convincingly. It, yeah, and that was hard because we had other. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to name who they were, but we had other people like in running or, you know, uh, that the studio wanted or whatever. And it, it's like none of them had that. You know, they could do one but not the other. You know what I mean? He and could go, he could do the full the full arc, and and you yeah. know, and part of it too was his his passion to do it, you know, cause when he read the script, he was, he was in uh, New York. He was on a plane. I always tell the story and it's a hundred percent the truth. He, he was on a plane. <laughs> he was on a plane in three days and flew down to look us in the eyes and go, I am born to play John Bishop and I will get this movie made and, and I'll do whatever I got to do to, get it made and he wasn't kidding you know i mean he no. really, he really uh as i said he was the driving force that just helped get us all the way through the fact that he was able to translate that passion into the performance so seamlessly i mean it's just yeah. such an area of pride for us i mean he's won he won like i think two he was nominated for a bunch he won like two acting awards uh, uh, when we did the festival circuit. And, and uh, I think one of them, I think both of them were non-genre film festivals yeah. uh, because that's just how crazy this performance is. It's just such a, it really is a very wide range that not a lot of people could, could tackle, you know, cause it's the physicality, like Jeff said, and it's the, you know, yeah, it's goofball dad, rock star in this community, all the way to you know what what you see him as at the end of the film. It's it's pretty pretty crazy. I have a question regarding the special effects. So everyone that mm -hmm. was involved with the special effects, fantastic job, especially for. I mean, I wasn't expecting that of that caliber when it comes to an indie film, and you know. It's one of those things like indie films that we grew up with, you know, we just grew up and we just love the effects, you know, even though they may have been cheesy or maybe they just didn't look 
you know, they had, they did what they had to do at the time um, with the resources and everything. But seeing this film and watching that, I was just like, well, my gosh, my question is <laughs> um, Quinn's character. Once he is, I want to say transformed, <laughs> was the transformation or that whole sequence with all the pedophile turned mutants was that at all inspired by Return of the Living Dead? Because I had, I it gave kind of like Tarman vibes. You're, uh, you're looking. Yeah, that's pretty spot you're, on. You're, you're. Uh, if we had video, you would see the uh, Return of the Living Dead uh, signed by Leanna Quigley right behind my head on the wall of our uh, of on the wall of our writer uh, writers room. Yeah, we are big Return of the Living Dead fans, and I love the aesthetic of of those. And I love that you just called that out because we've yeah. had um, uh, it is very much a stylistic influence. We were to say how harsh hard we were about. I'd say the two biggest influences in the the look of what we really were aiming for was sort of a cross between Return of the Living Dead and The Hills Have Eyes. Mm. Um, yeah, we, uh, we, yeah, we really love the, um, that grimy, uh, the grimy look and feel um, in, in uh, The Hills Have Eyes with those sort of mutants. And yeah, we, we couldn't believe how, um, how good, it, it turned out. I mean, that was another thing we got to see live on the set and watch them create it. And it was, uh, you know, we were adamant early on that we're going full, full practical. Um, we're going to go, you know, really, really bloody, really gory. Um, and that was another, you know, that was another big fight all the way through. There were just people that were scared to go, that crazy with it um yeah and we just boy we got lucky uh with with we were just very fortunate with the uh the the, the special effects makeup and i mean that was the very first award we won when we opened for screen yeah. fest uh screen fest film festival um and we won best makeup special uh, special effects makeup and we that was early on when we didn't know how many you know because we went into just an absolute insane amount of film festival we ended up getting accepted into over 30 film festivals globally and uh we had no idea the film was going to be received like that uh, and scream fest was one of the first ones and when we won that we were like okay this is cool because this is a scream fest and you know this is ground zero uh horror films and we just got the special effects makeup wow okay we land we we landed this this punch because it was it was uh we wanted it to be you know just like you guys we we love the even the, the cheesy stuff um you know from the 70s 80s i just we we love all that all that gore and and all you know it's just the glory days of all the practical stuff yeah the best well the practical <laughs> effects are always going to hold up you can watch a movie from 40 years ago with the practical effects and always 
they're yeah, still man. amazing. Yeah. The thing that's like main example. Yeah. Oh, it's it's still such a it's, it's mind blowing to watch did, the thing today. You know, yeah. we did, they, we did a, forty we, years later. We did a podcast the other day where we were talking about um, CGI. There, yeah. There's right? a there, there's an era from like the nineties through two thousands. Darren, Darren's always got a hate on my decade, but go on. <laughs> you know, big brother, little brother stuff. Go on. <laughs> Darren. Oh, did we lose him? Darren, I was just I was just joking. <laughs> Wait, what did happen? Oh, I think we might have actually lost him there. I, I see his face still up here, but for some reason, I was like, yeah. you know what? Forget this. I'm yeah. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Guys, I really pissed him off. I'm sorry. No, no, just kidding. <laughs> we'll see what happened here. We can we can edit this part of it out because it looks like he okay. might. Okay, he yeah, he's here? got he's got kind of weird reception. Um, yeah, he, he just disappeared from the screen here. So, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he'll 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 call back. He's just. Yeah. Uh, for whatever it's reason, it's funny that happened at, at the perfect time. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave some of that in, and then we'll just yeah, leave some of it in. You know, we'll take out the fat. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, he was he was saying, you know, the '90s cinema is obviously superior to any other decade. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. No, no, he grew up with like '80s. Well, it's funny is like because we're ten years apart, and he was born at like the end of the '70s. The '80s were like his growing up movies, and then I was born at the end of the '80s. So like the '90s were like more of my growing up movies. Obviously, it's not like. I, I still grew up with '80s movies too, but it was like the the newest ones were the '90s ones. And that so those are the ones I was kind of gobbling up more. Um, so it's always funny to like hear him like critique the '90s. I'm like, I've never heard you say anything bad about the '80s, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and there was plenty to say about yeah. the '80s. <laughs> yeah, I think so. You know, but uh, all and I, I love the love, '80s. <laughs> yeah yeah and all, i gotta get you know i gotta get shit for the uh the bad cgi look i know it's bad okay <laughs> it's really bad it's just like why why did they do that yeah like they, you the best you gotta find the middle it's half and half you gotta have both if you don't want to do all the practical effects do half right. practical effects and half cgi yep. because then you're gonna fill in the gap there we go we got we got darren back now we'll let him back in. <laughs> darren are you back hey he's back Hey, hey guys, sorry about that. I don't know what the heck. My computer just completely it was, died on me. What happened? It was it was funny because it, it died out like right as I was like giving you shit for the talking shit on the nineties. <laughs> it, like, 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 it was perfect. It, perfect. Yeah, He's like, like, wow, I really made him mad. He just hung up. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, and and, and I love and listen. I love the '90s. I was, you know, my my uh, my my teen years were through the '90s. So I I have a always will have a huge affection for the '90s. But you know, I just think, yeah, you go, you can go like you said all the way back. You could go through any era, and the uh, you know the the pra- practical effects just it just uh, will always carry you know when it's shot in yeah. camera like that yeah no totally uh, i wanted to ask you guys i know this is a little bit of a shift in tone here but i wanted sure. to get this to you is uh i wonder if you could tell us a little bit about the inspiration for this film because i know it's a it's a very personal thing for you guys 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, um, you know, as, uh, as we always, uh, say, you know, it's, it's, uh, there, you know, there, there is a, a, a very real life trauma behind the inspiration of the film. It is, um, thankfully, ultimately a lot of, there's multiple happy endings to some pretty horrific stuff in the past, but, um, yeah, taking it back to the, to the beginning, um, when our sister, uh, this is going back, um, gosh, I think maybe 15, uh, geez, 15, 16 years ago, um, she was walking home from a party. She was still, uh, very young. Um, and she was, uh, attacked by a stranger, uh, who was running the way she describes it, which is so eerie is she was walking home. She was literally just minutes away, uh, from her house. And it was in this, you know, it's in this little Northern California town. Um, and she heard someone running behind her and she thought, Oh, someone is jogging. And she was going, who the hell is jogging at this time of night? Next thing she knows, she is tackled full force and um, they go down a, like a 22 foot ravine. And it was uh, horrific. You know, he uh, this guy, um, he almost killed her. Uh, he he raped her, uh, had a belt around her neck. She she literally. um very narrowly survived and you know statistically that kind of stranger attack like that uh the survival rate is very uh very low uh, uh for obvious reasons and she somehow just uh she just got a real fighting spirit to her always has and she fought through and climbed out of this ravine and survived and uh uh, cut to and, and at that time this attacker was never caught or was not caught and um, and so this was uh, now cut to years later uh, t- uh, uh, I think tw- uh, 12 years later 13 years later um, they get a DNA match on someone who survives a very similar uh attack and it uh thankfully you know because of dna you know advancements in the technology they caught the guy and what was uh very uh very eerie and and just unsettling about this whole thing is he was a taxi driver in the same exact area 12 years later and and so the real scary part is going oh boy how many victims do we know not know about uh very you know it's a very scary thought because it was the only people we that were able to um that he was able to get a conviction based on was was this that new case and then our our sister so um he then the process of a trial happened the trial went on for years as you know 
trials can do. And, and this one did. And, uh, the, the first sort of, uh, uh, happy ending is he was caught, he was convicted and he is basically put away for life. Um, he'll, he'll come up for parole. Uh, the first time he'll come up for parole, he'll be a very old man, uh, if he's still alive and, uh, uh, hope, hopefully it won't be difficult to keep him, uh, keep him locked up. Um, uh, so that, that's, that's, uh, definitely, that was a, a very, that was a very happy ending for us because for years and years and years, you know, the perpetrator wasn't caught and we, we didn't think that w- there would ever be justice there. So that was very, uh, a very good thing. Um, now, through the trial process, um, uh, our sister came to us and um, asked us, you know, would you guys, do, do you guys know anybody in the documentary space? And would you be interested in, in, in you know, or, or, would, or can you help me get some sort of documentary? I would like my story to get um, out in the world um, because she had suffered through as, as one can imagine pretty horrible PTSD for, for years. And she not only overcame it because, and, and along that path went down, you know, got very dangerously close to some very bad roads, but she was able to, get through all of that and not only do that, but she went uh, has gone on to become uh, one of the few female fire captains uh, in the United States and, um, and, you know, lives a very, very healthy, happy life. And so she was like, you know, I would love to get my story out because I want to be an example to people out there, other people who have gone through, horrific things and to know that there's a way out and, 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 and all of this stuff. And, uh, we looked into it and, uh, I, I, I don't really know anybody in the documentary space. I reached out and couldn't really find anything simultaneously to this as the trial was going on. I was nightly, um, getting these phone calls because my dad, uh, our, our dad was, you know, he was, uh, uh, you know, going through a lot, you know, it was a very hard time as one could imagine, of course, uh, through all the really <coughs> terrible details of the trial. And so one night when I was talking to him and I was just sort of just trying to be there for him, that's when I just had a flash of, what if there was a service for family members of crime victims where somebody offered you one minute alone? And then I wrote down the retaliators and I just put it away. And um, and then weeks or whatever later, Jeff ended up finding that little blurb and said, hey, what's this? And I told him. And then next thing you know, we started creating this story and it just sort of very quickly we started kind of piecing together and and getting kind of excited about it 
And so I, we went to Jody, her name's Jody, by the way. Um, and um, I said, <clears throat> Hey, this may sound a little crazy. And if you're not okay with this, that's all good. I'm just throwing it out there. He said, you know, we, your story has inspired an idea for a screenplay and it wouldn't be your exact story, but it, the heartbeat it would be your story. And, and, and uh, you know, uh, I, I just, I don't know how you would feel about that if that, you know, and she just cut me off and said, I, she goes, great. If you, you know, if that, if that's possible, if you're, if that ever happens, just please put, get my name out there. Um, I, 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 I am totally cool with that. You know, I just, I don't care how my name gets out. I don't care how my story gets out. I just want to get it out. And, and, and so if that's the way, awesome. And we were very, you know, cause I we told her, so we can't make your documentary, you know, we can't do that. That's not, I mean, we would, it would be, we would be the most un uh, most, overly biased journalists on the planet on one hand and on the second hand it would be uh, torturous to have to go through you know we'd already been through these long ordeals of going through it and the trial and it 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 we sort of so that is part of that re represents part of the tone in the film too is that as we talked about earlier there's a very personal tone but then it goes to the tone that we really kind of needed to have as, as a sort of catharsis. And, um, you know, we are now, uh, full circle. Um, the, you know, cause the, obviously the, 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 the most important happy ending is that Jody is living a happy, healthy life. And, and, um, uh, but the cherry on top, is this experience because we have now she has been to film festivals and on red carpets and um, she has been able to tell her story, um, connect with people. And um, she's um, she, she's just, you know, the other the other day we were literally a week ago launching the movie onto VOD uh, you know, we got on stage and she got to tell her story and boy, it just felt like a very triumphant full circle moment, you know, to just look at her doing that. And like, it, it is pretty amazing to, to experience having something so terrible, uh, get channeled through art and, and into art. Uh, and, 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 uh, in, in a way that is, has just been very healing for us. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And just to kind of echo some of that, I mean, I, I feel like what was really nice because me and me and Darren are, are like film aesthetic is, you know, I kind of grind house with a heart, you know, and what was really special was to have, you know, our sister, really uh give us uh, she really gave the heart to this film you know and it was it was just really nice that she let us do that you know because i you know i i don't know if everybody would be down for like hey you know uh you're the inspiration for this grind you know this terrible thing that happened to you is kind of like the 
inspiration for like a, a grindhouse film but you know she she knew it was all coming from love and, and everything so it, it was just it was really awesome i'm glad there was something positive able to come out of it because i yeah that's i can't imagine having to go through that yeah and, and you know we can't really either you know in, yeah, in a way right you know it's like right. we can never know the horror of that you yeah. know and yeah. you know we we, we just it, and that's what's so awful about violent crimes like that is it's it has reverberations through everybody in the family you know what i mean the people that care about them at any rate and um and everybody yeah. in our family really loves jody and it's just you know it, it's so hard because you want to you know and i think what the film really is really it's it, it sort of like latches on to is that feeling of like god i just it, when i think about it i wish i could do something and i can't you know and um yeah yeah it's the, it taps into the helplessness there is like this void of helplessness that you find yourself kind of buried in as you're going through this on the sideline because yeah like jeff yeah. said very very appropriately we can't imagine what she went through. You know, we, we really can't because we, you know, I, I, I've never been through anything personally that horrific. And, and um, it, it's, it, and I think, and, and, and the truth of the matter is, and especially, you know, going back to that statistic I was talking about, very few people have, you know, been able to live to tell the tale of some of, of an attempted of a vicious stranger, attempted murder attack like that you know that's very yeah. th those are uh thankfully very rare um but but even rarer rarer than that is is people to 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 live to tell the story um and so yeah you know it's uh it, it it's it, we got to be there when she watched the film for the first time and we were <clears throat> she tell this this is a funny story so we sent her the script, of course, the second after we wrote it. And she never said, told us what she thought of the script. And we never asked her. We never pressed her on it. And I, my, my feeling at the time was it might not be the, she might not be eager to read it. And so she's going to have to come around to it whenever she feels ready. And that's fine. And then when she reads it, we'll, um, you know, then we'll, we'll, we'll approach it, uh, with her and, uh, oh, I left out one of the craziest, uh, parts of this whole story. Uh, and then I'll tie it back into this when she saw the film. Um, so the other, the, the really crazy serendipity here in, as far as getting the film made is that we did not know, Jeff and I did not know that in the years when she was battling this PTSD, her, uh, one of her uh, very, uh, very, very big ways that, she, and, uh, that, that she dealt with a lot of um, her mental state was through the show Rescue Me. And mm. she watched it over and over and over again. And what was happening was she was a probie, uh, a probie firefighter. And Rescue Me 
was a show about firefighters that really dealt with the real kind of, uh, you know, it didn't pull punches and dealt with the underbelly of what firefighters go through and their PTSD and, and all of these different things. And Michael Lombardi was the probie on the show. Oh, and, yeah. And so because of that, Michael Lombardi was her favorite character and she credits literally credits rescue me as being uh uh something that absolutely helped her uh heal and helped her get through those really really difficult ptsd years we did not know that we didn't (laughs) know any of that and so michael lombardi when he came onto the when he came onto the film was when Jody told us this and she literally did not believe us. She said, you're (laughs) you're full of shit. You're blah, blah, blah. Don't sit and lie to me and tell me Michael Lombardi is going to play. But, and and we're like, Jody. So we literally had Michael get on FaceTime. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And and this is, and this is recorded. He, he, we FaceTime her. She's at, her firehouse and what you have to understand is in the firefighter world rescue me is they consider that the only legit firefighter show ever they don't consider anything else to even come close like that was the show uh and and leary at the tennis leary had had he had family who you know i think he lost somebody in his family to a to a, a tragic fire new people in 9-11 and so the, the show was very very researched i guess and 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 um so so she sees michael lombardi and she starts completely freaking out and <laughs> running around the firehouse showing everybody that michael lombardi's on the phone and the whole place is just going nuts and we were <laughs> dying laughing i mean it was so funny so that's the other really just absolute insane serendipity to all this and once michael found that out that really helped kind of lock in because he was so uh uh, just so empathetic to her story and he took a real pride in in being that person that was going to bring this story you know this story to life inspired by her so um the very first time she saw the film she tells she admit it was also the first time she was going to meet michael lombardi that night and she tells me about 20 minutes before the the uh the screening and this is a sold out crowd it's screen fest that's the it's the uh the hollywood chinese theater and she goes darren i i never told you guys i never read the script and i go oh my god (laughs) And I said, I go, well, you know what? I figured you never did because you never told us one word about it. And so I figured, well, you either hated it or or you you never read it. She <laughs> goes, no, I, I never read it. And so I'm going, oh, man, like, what is she going to think? This movie is very extreme. Uh, it's, again, not her story, but certainly for her. There's a lot of Easter eggs in there, you know, uh, yeah. John, John is named after, you know, uh, my dad, John, you know, there's a lot of little things in there and a lot of 
the heartbeat is very clear to anyone that knows her story. And, um, and what was so amazing was watching her experience the film. She, I mean, to say loves it, you couldn't put a bigger word around it. I mean, she, she kept, it was a little upsetting at first because she kept crying and I was going, Oh no, is this movie but yeah, traumatizing her? Is this, Oh boy. And so I asked her, I said, are you okay? She goes, Oh, this, I've just never felt so moved in my life. Like she just absolutely just got all of the, what was making her cry was she, every time she recognized our sort of telegraphing, you know, uh, to her through the film that she was like picking up. And so she just, you know, it was a really amazing night. And that night she met Michael uh, on stage and it was a really powerful moment. And, uh, and then on this last event, you know, she was, uh, you know, she was his date into the, to the, uh, to the, <laughs> to the premiere. And <laughs> it's just really funny just to see, you know, she, she, she turns into a, you know, uh, just a complete fan girl on the drop of a hat. It's just the funniest thing ever. So, um, yeah, it's been, it, it just been a really crazy, crazy journey. Was this the first um, screenplay that you guys had written together? Or do you have some some things either, you know, spending time together growing up? I don't know if you grew up in the same household, but um are there things you guys have written when you when you guys were kids um and if and this is a two-part question and yeah. are you currently writing anything now well yeah uh, we, these if yeah, you if yeah. you want I, I i can take i'll take the first part of the question yeah. <laughs> you can take the what we're writing now <laughs> um the to, to answer the question about you know how we grew up and stuff and whether this was our first screenplay together or otherwise us Darren you have to understand was I mean he came out the womb just uh, wanting to make movies wanting to be an actor uh, just you know in love with with cinema and so when I and he's 10 years older than me so uh, by the time I came out the womb I don't know if I came out wanting to make movies but I certainly came out loving movies because of uh, of Darren and you know him kind of like showing me the ropes with all the cool movies and and uh but we did and we even made little movies together uh <laughs> we made we made we actually made it's funny whenever we get the question you know did we write growing up because we've been asked that we made yeah. a lot of short films right uh, that we wrote on the spot like but we were... wrote them on the spot we we <laughs> we you know they we but we would make them truly to entertain our friends and each other and yeah was, they're completely ridiculous <laughs> and and you know uh, uh, but we we did it is funny when we look back and go boy we did that all the time like well we, yeah because I mean, it, it, it yeah, what's weird about it is like if i don't know if we would if we weren't making movies now i don't know if i would have be looking back at my past that way you know what i mean like yeah like Oh wait, this was this was all culminating to this, and I didn't realize it. So it's actually a, kind of a beautiful thing, you know, being able to look back and go, "Oh wait, wow, that had some significance um, that I didn't see for a while." But yeah, we, uh, but you know, look, we uh, we we got into music together. Uh, by the time I was like in my late teens, and um, 
And, and then we did that for a while. And then, you know, we went off and kind of did our own things. I went to college and, you know, Darren was doing his thing. And, um, and then he ca- kind of called me out of the blue one day and was like, Hey man, you know, I've been having this itch to like write movies. Like, and it's like, he's like, you want to do this with me? And I was like, yeah. Cause I, in that in between time, we talked movies all the time, you know, every time we'd hang out and we hung, hung out frequently, we, all we do was just rap movies. You know what I mean? And um, so I was real excited to do it and we just really dug in and it was our first, I think the retaliators was the first script each, each either of us had finished writing. I think we both had like early aborted attempts <laughs> in our twenties. Uh, but this was the first in, and, and as we went up to write it, we had other ideas. We were kind of batting around um, and we kind of got into like a script. Although I don't, Darren, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think we ever really started writing those scripts as scripts. It was more just like ideas we were trying to flesh out. Once we hit upon the idea of the retaliators, it was like, it was off to the races. We knew it instantly. The, the night that, you know, I found that log line and we started riffing on it. It was like, Oh no, 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 this has to be, this is it. This is what we've been looking for. And, um, and yeah, and we completed our first. That that was our first script we ever completed. Uh, Darren, sorry, I cut. Yeah, no, like- yeah. We we the idea we were batting around before we had one or two. We never got into the screenplay writing phase. It was just we had only ever gotten to um, uh, to an outlining outlining, outlining yeah. phase. So so yeah. The, the what's crazy is the Retaliators is the first actual screenplay we both written and yeah as jeff said i i attempted to write a screenplay when i was younger i think jeff did too separately yeah it, it was a disaster i wasn't able <laughs> yeah. to, I, 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 oh I, you don't I, even want to know what my idea was for yeah my no I, I mean, it was it, it, it and so and bad the, and the funny thing was was that i had this it was just such a random epiphany because yeah we've been such film obsessive film buffs our whole lives having you know just just that's who we are and so we still are and you know it was this one day i was you know uh reading and uh, i was reading an article and it basically said something about what you need to write a screenplay what to, to, to write screenplays and it said well the one thing no one does but you just have to do it is you've got to read hundreds of screenplays and i went oh that's weird well i've done that because i grew up as an actor and i read literally hundreds of screenplays and to boot 90 plus percent of them were mediocre and to terrible uh <laughs> as, and, 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 and and so i know that feeling in my in my bones i know the feeling of having to slog through a boring script or a script that you're just kind of going, Oh, when is this thing going to start? Where is the, where's the meat and meat and potatoes in this thing? And then it was like, the second thing was like, you've got to know movies upside down. You've got to know, you have, have an encyclopedia. And I'm going, okay, well check and check. <laughs> and, 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 and the third, the third part was sort of the formal learning of the process. And that's what Jeff and I did not know. So we, we right. did when, when I called Jeff and said, Hey, do you, and we said, it was funny. We go, let's not tell anybody. Oh, let's we just didn't do tell it anybody. For, yeah. We didn't yeah. tell anybody. We just said, let's just do it for fun. <laughs> And so we immersed ourselves into education 
for probably a good two years of just literally reading every book, watching every lecture we could get our hands on, like just digging into all of the formal uh, study to add into all the kind of the other stuff, because there was a lot of just life experience. And, and again, reading hundreds of scripts, I have that so ingrained in me that it, it was very helpful because I would just, you know, and we're, to, we're that's our style to, to right now is, is we're ruthlessly sort of hack through stuff like, no, that's boring. It's boring. Ah, it's not interesting. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Ah, and we'll just get rid of entire characters that we've been working on for months. We, we are not afraid to let it go. <laughs> like, we'll just move through it because our kind of drive is to how do we make something interesting and, and, um, so yeah, that it's crazy. It's crazy. It is to say this was our first script. We finished it. We literally, if you would have told us what would have happened after, we would have never believed it. And we, it is not, right. what, we, it, it, not what we expected. We sent, I called a friend of mine who is a, sc a screenwriter, uh, Jerry, uh, Tukovich, and he, he's a phenomenal writer and he's a very smart guy. And I said, what, what do we, what do we what do we do with this thing like and he goes well you can send it to this thing called the blacklist he's like you know you're not going to get you're not going to get selected on it you, you know you're going to get they're going to destroy it and you know it's what they do on there it's really tough but you'll learn what you did wrong and you'll he said okay we sent it in and within weeks we're on their top list we got these high ratings we couldn't believe it and then oh, we started great. getting then we started getting offers, you know, so it was just this really uh, and that's where the whole journey kind of started. And, and uh, <laughs> yeah. so it's just it's but, insane. But yeah, but also be but what's crazy when I look back at it is just it's all. Yeah, that's where the journey started. But it's all an extension of us just trying to entertain each other when we were so much younger. You know, it's kind of yeah. funny just to see it as as just an extension of that <laughs> yeah it is it is um so and then as far as what we're writing now yes yeah, so since the retaliators matter of fact right when we finished the retaliators the screenplay uh we started writing we we kept writing and said let's keep going and so now we have piled up um we have since then two two more completed screenplays that we have been putting finishing touches on and we're almost done with a third. And then we are really excited right now because we are, uh, we're putting the outline together for a fourth right now. So we've, that was one of the sort of opportunities we took during the COVID times was there was a lot of, there was these periods of being shut down, the film being shut down. So we would just take those opportunities to go, okay, let's, uh, let's write the next one and let's, let's just keep pushing ourselves and not rest on any laurels and say, Oh, look, look what we achieve. It's like, no, let's right. push ourselves. How can we get better? How can we, you know, so it's been, um, yeah. So we're really excited about the new stuff. Very excited. Yeah, we are too. I can't wait to see it. So, as we start to wind things down here, I have a question for Darren. I noticed yes. that you are listed as being in Hocus Pocus. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny as you were as there was a little pregnant pause there, and I was like, 
I, I'm sure he's going to say, bring it on again. <laughs> so <laughs> it was kind of refreshing to hear Hocus Pocus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. One. Yeah. So what can you tell us about that? You know, it was, uh, I was very young. Uh, I think I was, uh, I, I don't even remember. I think I might've been 12 or something. Um, and it was, I, it was, uh, I had a very small part. Uh, I was, I shot on it for, uh, I think like two weeks because I was one of the kids in the town. And then I, there was an entirely different ending when 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 i shot it and i was in that ending um and i had a scene and you know i mean i i literally barely remember it and i i save everything um so i'm sure i have the original script somewhere and i really should dig that up because the last thing i was ever expected was that i'd be getting asked about hocus pocus anywhere so i and now (laughs) I'm getting asked all the time and I'm like, man, I really should <laughs> go back and try to remember because it was so darn long ago. But yeah, it was a different ending and I was in that ending. And then when they changed the ending, my scene got cut. So uh, I, uh, uh, it was, it, yeah. So I'm there, like there's moments where you go, that's me right there. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'll point it out <laughs> uh, you know, on the screen. So, um, yeah, that was the uh, that's the hocus. But and, the, and it was funny because, uh, you know, took the whole family. Did we all went to the movies? Yep, we were there that. opening day. And I didn't we're see like, a damn okay, thing. And then the scene <laughs> never happened. <laughs> I still I still I, I, I totally have vivid memories of being a kid going like, I know my brother's in this. I don't know where he is at all. And it's very, <laughs> something very like discomforting about it, you know, yeah, <laughs> something that's was... unsettling about that. <laughs> yeah. It had, well, and what you learn is and what I learned is how common, Oh boy, what a heartbreak it is. My, I had a really yeah. good friend who shot for six weeks on Crimson Tide and he had, uh, which was a huge oh, movie at, at the yeah, time. Oh, RJ yeah. Nall. Yeah, RJ yeah, Nall. He, yeah. It was a yeah, huge good, movie when it RJ. came out. And he had all these scenes and he, you know, was with Gene Hackman and Denzel Washington. <laughs> uh. And then we go we go we go to the movies and he's completely cut out. And it, wow. and it's again he, he had one line. He had, he had one, I think they got one oh, line in. Oh, I think it was he right screamed. before the capsule breaks. And he goes, Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Or some shit like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> You see, you see him like right about to die. I think. Yeah, you're right. You're that's right. that's it, though. Yeah. So it's so back in those days, like man, that just used to happen so much. It's it's crazy. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I feel like people are in much more. <laughs> well, and there's version. Well, and there's versions of that in the writing world too, and that's what what make made the making the retaliator such a, uh, a satisfying experience for me and Darren was because. You know, the writer version of that is you write a script, it gets bought, a movie is made, but it's not the movie you wrote at all. Mm, yeah. uh, sometimes not even a line that you wrote. And Right. And the writers you know, get kicked out of the equation early on yeah. and all of that stuff. Yeah. So I, I got to hand it to, to really to Michael on that uh, for keeping us, you know, keeping us uh, uh, not just in the loop, but um, letting us have a lot of creative input on the process and um so that the movie we wrote is pretty much the movie that got made you know yeah 
Yeah. We, we didn't have a hocus pocus situation. <laughs> I have a follow up question, Darren, regarding yes. hocus pocus, even though you say you vaguely remember it's one of my favorite films among, you oh, know, along with awesome. the rest of the world. But at the time, <laughs> you know, for a long time, this movie, that movie was barely talked about. It just, it came out, it, it didn't do well. And I was, God, I don't even remember how old I was, maybe 11. I don't know at that time when it came out, but yeah, um, saw it in the theater. I don't remember seeing you. <laughs> no, do you remember? Were you in pajamas or were you wearing a costume? Wow, what a great question. You know what's funny? Yeah. I want to say I was in pajamas. Mm, okay okay and i okay. don't know what i don't know what kind of clue that un, well, unfurls you were, well because yeah because darren you were in the where you end up i mean i still haven't seen you ever in it but i think the scene where you always point to that you're in is when the kids are kind of like zombie walking through yes. the town right that's yes. exactly yeah. during sarah's yes, lullaby Yes, yeah. I was one of the zombie kids. Yes, yes. that's what it was. Yeah. You're 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 uh you're coined Night Child, which is a pretty I mean <laughs> that's, that's a pretty cool band name, I feel. I, 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 you I know was what? thinking the same thing. You <laughs> just, I'm like I'm you, taking it, guys. You know what? You just <laughs> named our off. new you just named our new band. So that's <laughs> done and done. That maybe is that, a great maybe that's a screenplay you could work on too. Night child. <laughs> that's where I might go next. That that sounds like a great movie title, Night Child. Actually, Darren, I'm just yeah. saying. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, hear it for, you heard it here first, guys. All right, all right. <laughs> this is our new. This is our new creative team right here. I'm loving it. <laughs> I'm loving it. Now, my question is for both of you: whether you have the same, or you may not have the same favorite film or films that you watch during this uh, Halloween season with the uh, Halloween coming up literally a couple of days from now, which Halloween starts for me like September, you know, 29th. I, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, oh, you yeah. know, it. I, I, I like the way you frame the question. You know, it's not what is your favorite scary movie? which might be different. It's not what is the scariest movie you've ever seen, which might be different. It's what is it, what is the Halloween, like what's your favorite thing to watch during that hollow, uh, your favorite horror film to watch during that Halloween season, which I, you know. Um, now, that being said, uh, it makes no difference for me. Um, <laughs> it's, it's the motherfucking exorcist. <laughs> That's my. There you go. Yeah, I and I got to tell this, I, I I was in the last time last year when I went there, uh, went, went to the movies to go see it with uh, my girlfriend. We um, she played this prank on me where uh, after because it was her first time seeing it, which I, 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 I was just like, yes, you know, I get to, you know, be the first one to show her this. And uh, we saw it in the theaters and it was a re it was kind of far away from like where I lived. And uh, it was like dense fog out that night. There was a lot of fog. It was very creepy. And there was a lot of construction. And like, it like I didn't know where I was going. I was just trying to find the freeway. And like, how, how can I find the freeway if I can't even see anything in the road, right? So I'm just having like a total panic attack. I have generalized anxiety disorder, but don't mind that. And I'm having a rough time here. And all of a sudden, it just 
blares out inside my car because it was it, there was no music because you know i'm at that age where it's like you know i can't see turn the radio down you know what i mean <laughs> and yeah. um and all of a sudden just blaring out of my stereo is the exorcist music and <laughs> i jumped like out of my i basically ejected out of my car <laughs> and my girlfriend's <laughs> laughing her fucking ass off and i'm like dude <laughs> I got that scared the shit out of me, but I, you know, that was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, two of their bells will do that to you. <laughs> yeah. So that's my pick. That's my pick. Yeah, good pick. Well, uh, like, uh, like Jeff, the Halloween season does not change. It's kind of always Halloween season for uh, for me and <laughs> Jeff. I mean, we're all so it, I don't have much, but but that being said. <clears throat> The Lost Boys is my that's my favorite movie of all time. Uh, so any excuse to watch it again. Oh, it's Halloween season. Let's throw it on again for the billionth <laughs> time. Uh, I know every word. I know every word by heart. I uh, it, that movie is just very near and dear uh, uh, to me. So always Lost Boys. Um, and then I got a uh, Halloween. I love. To, I do love to throw in seventy eight halloween i mean in it's obviously cliche but i just truly feel like that movie is uh just a perfect film and and i just love uh i i i i I don't feel like it gets talked about enough so i always love to geek out on it that literally there is i think there's only a few seconds in the whole film where there isn't tension being built whether it's the music whether it's him stalking every second of the movie and how many movies can you say that about i i mean i can't i don't know of another movie that and and that is really that effective because to this day i don't know what it is that music the the cinematography the feel it just gets me every time i'm always feeling on edge when i watch that movie it always gets to me i just i just it's, it's just perfect um i have to say that not to piggyback on your answer that's my favorite movie of all time so yes it is a flawless film ah. um i we we <laughs> we haven't covered it because i get when i get very excited about something i'm very passionate I kind of, I'm all over the place and I get, I'm just like, I can't focus on one thing and I'm just, and then I start ranting like a psycho. So we haven't really done uh, just one, the the 78, we kind of did like the whole we did we did them all at once kind um, of like talked about the, the whole crazy timeline of it all. Yeah, right before mm, that's that, fun, uh, that's fun yeah. came out. Yeah, that, that film, before that film came out, we did that, so, okay, and The Exorcist I when I was when I was younger had happened to just it was playing in the background I guess and I saw a little piece of it and I was like oh no I'm gonna become possessed like the devil's gonna take over my body (laughs) that's exactly my fear too and I've seen that film one time like I can't it it is it freaks me the fuck out like I can't deal with it (laughs) yeah I, I well, what's funny is every year I see it because I try to reserve it for just around Halloween times just to make it extra special. I th- every time it happens when I go to bed that night, I'm like, please, bed, don't shake, <laughs> please, like, don't look. I'm not gonna look at mirrors at least for a few, you know, until I get to bed and wake up, sleep it off, you know. <laughs> 
It, what's crazy is if you can get past the, because uh, it is just such a frightening film and, and you're, you're obviously not the only person that, I've known many people that literally they just they traumatize them so badly that <laughs> they 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 just are too terrified to go near it. If you can get past that, boy, the filmmaking in that oh. movie, William Friedkin. I mean, it is a marvel. I mean, the directing, the cinematography, oh, the acting—it's—it's it's at just a whole other level. All the non head spinning and barfing all the, all the not yeah. the lead up the lead up and the, oh my god i mean it's well, that, just well, really freaking is just a master that's exactly i think what really makes it my favorite is that yeah it has that horror aspect the part that is you know both vile and disgusting but also terrifying but it's all the filmmaking in between you know what i mean the the the, the tone and uh, the the filmmaking techniques it's just it, it's really really rich you know from a filmmaking yeah, perspective yeah i agree even though i saw it one time <laughs> <laughs> you know what? i'm gonna make you a special edit i'm gonna edit out all that stuff yeah take out all the take out all the bad stuff this is like and thomas you, jefferson's yeah. bible you know what I mean? uh, <laughs> take out the miracles uh just that freaks you out <laughs> I, what i remember from it is the the cinematography the lighting just yeah. all of that the oh beauty and all of that it's just yeah if you you watch that now mm. it's sh it's shocking how you know just unbelievable it, it looks now and i mean we're yeah. huge freaking fans and you watch sorcerer mm. uh you know french connection i mean his live and uh, die in his, la yeah live and die, oh, yeah, yeah his cinematography one. and directing is just off the charts off the yeah. charts uh, I uh, had a printing, like a photography and printing class in high school, and I went to see To Live and Die in L.A. When I came back that Monday, the first thing the teacher said was, how many of you saw To Live and Die in L.A.? Put my hand up, and he said, don't do anything that you saw at the beginning of that movie. Because it was basically <laughs> the process of how to make counterfeit money. Uh, counterfeit, yeah. Uh, yeah, everything, yeah, yeah. Was everything that he did was available right there in the classroom. He was like, no. do not think about copying anything you saw in that movie. That's wow. uh, So you, well, you saw that in the theater? Yeah. Dude. Oh, man, that's I'm jealous. Yeah, that's yeah, one, of, yeah, uh, yeah. one of my favorites. Yeah, so, uh, talk about a real underrated really totally underrated, underrated. and that car chase uh, in like oh, the la yeah, that, river that, that talk about things that give you freeways. anxiety that car chase did me oh amazing amazing such a good film yeah well go ahead well i don't know you oh, okay. the floor the floor is yours sir okay i was just gonna say i really appreciate you guys coming in <laughs> taking the time to talk to us today we've had a great time getting to talk about the retaliators and everything in between oh man and, total uh, yeah total blast Thank you so much for coming on. And I have to say, and this invitation is for both of you, um, but if you want to come back and discuss Halloween 78, we would love to have you on as uh, <laughs> oh, another person God, on. Yeah. That would be fantastic. We would be, we would be honored. And I, I will tell you right now, we will Absolutely. be able to geek, geek out hard with you. Uh, that's one. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, we, we 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 we've dissected that one to death, and we can, <laughs> we're we're always happy to do it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we we would love that. I, you know, it's funny. I I went I went to a um a, a, a movie theater in LA to see a thirty five millimeter print of it, and it was like both really cool, but kind of a little sucky. Now here was the sucky part. The cool part was that it was thirty five millimeter. The sucky part was that. 
um, it was all had a very like light tone of pink over the entire thing because of the mm. print that they had. Yeah. So I know it was it was kind of it was kind of cool because it was like an old print, but yeah, that's um, yeah, it's just I, one of those movies. It's I perfect. had that experience recently. I went to see a thirty-five millimeter print of John Carpenter's The Thing, and it was oh. it was very dark. And oh. you know, I, I remember it from seeing it on DVD and Blu-ray and everything. And it was, the yeah. print was very dark. And I, I don't know if that's the way it was when it was in theaters and they've just lightened it up when it's been on, you know, all these other things, but it was, it was yeah. great. It was clear, but it was very, it was much darker than anything I remember before. And I thought, I wonder if this is what it was like when they showed it in theaters to kind of heighten mm. the tension in that, you know, but it, it was just, it was still good, but it was just, it was darker than I ever remembered, you know? Yeah, it's the thing with those 35 millimeter prints. I love them. They have their own charm, but that's exactly it. They have their own charm because they're all old. You know, they're not making new 35 millimeter prints uh, generally. So it's like you kind of get what you get, you know, yeah. <laughs> what's what's left. You get a good one. It's great. If you get a bad one, uh, that's just an experience for you. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. Yeah. We're with John Carpenter in general. We could go just all day. I mean, that's the guy. Yeah, that's the, ul- just, the ultimate that first yeah. those first uh we'll save it we'll save it for the halloween 70 yeah yeah but we'll 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 save the good stuff jeff already gave away his pink uh pink 35 millimeter cut <laughs> i did i did so we're gonna, we're gonna we're gonna we'll save the other it. good ones <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you guys again for coming on we really appreciate it and thanks guys oh, thank for you listening. oh and, and I, I would be I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, oh, yes. the Retaliators is now out on VOD. So everywhere you rent or buy movies, iTunes, Amazon, Vudu, uh, YouTube, all yeah, Redbox, uh, everywhere it's it's available now. So uh, go check it out. Yes, please go check it go out. Check it out. It's a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining us on another um, episode of jump scare stay tuned to the horror and now folks it's time to say good night we sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment please drive home carefully and come back again soon good night